Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast presented by Farm Bureau Health Plan. Look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of healthcare coverage. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. I'm Amy Wells, and I'm so pleased to welcome you to this special edition of the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. In honor of the Thanksgiving holiday, we decided to share a conversation that we are thankful for. And this is truly an incredible conversation. It's with a man who spent his entire playing career with the Chicago Bears organization. He had seven All-Pro selections. He went to 10 consecutive Pro Bowls, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, and he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1998. Now, he went on to be a linebacker's coach for the Baltimore Ravens and then the 49ers, where he ultimately became the head coach from 2008 to 2010. Also spent some time coaching with the Minnesota Vikings and the Los Angeles Rams. If you haven't figured out who this is, you guys, this is a conversation that Mac and I had with Mike Singletary. And oh, I am so excited to share it with you. So please enjoy our time that we spent with Mike Singletary. I'm so excited about this guest. Mike Singletary is on with us right now. I can't believe it. And Mac, I have heard so many stories from you about Mike Singletary. He is the standard for you when it comes to human beings and defensive players, right? No, he absolutely is. And and I was so fortunate when I first came into the National Football League in 1986 you know, to, when Mike Dicka hired me and, and you know, I, I realized the group that I was going into, I mean, it was the Super Bowl Shuffle Bears. It was the greatest defense to that point in the history of the National Football League in every category, iconic players. And I knew them as players. So when I first got there, I called, you know, Mike, and I I'd sat down with Mike, and I said, look, I need to know what I need to do to be able to earn you guys respect because you guys are the epitome and the standard for what is going on here. And I, I would just like you to tell me and, and bring me and coach me up a little bit on what I need to do to earn your respect. And he gave me three really great, great pearls of wisdom that I lived by for all the 31 years that I coached in this league. That started my career. It made my career being associated with Mike Singletary and that whole Bears defense. And Mike told me, first of all, Coach Mack, always tell us the truth. Second of all, if you don't know, just say you don't know. We'll figure it out together. And third of all, let us know from your heart and not just from your mouth that you care for us as much as people as you do that number on our back. And then when we started getting into the real football part of it, and I just realized, you know, how fortunate I was. And, and, and basically, you know, early on, Mike Singletary taught me about National Football League defense and what it was. You know, they had perfected and had put the 46 defense onto the world there with Buddy Ryan, which was so unique. And Mike Singletary and Gary Fensick were the linchpin of the whole thing. Because basically there were so many different adjustments, so many calls to make, and and Mike Singletary knew every one of them, and we had great players there, great players. I can just start listing them, Hall of Fame players, but they all listened to one person when the game started, and that was Mike Singletary. That's who we have on with us today, and as I said, it, it not only was, was it a great player-coach relationship, but he's also a very, very good friend, one of the best human beings in the world. Take out first ballot Hall of Famer, 
Let's take out all the accolades. Let's take out everything that he's done in the National Football League. All you've got to do is look at the Wikipedia page and figure it out. All of those uh, exceptional things that he's done, he's even a better human being. Mike, it's great to have you on. Oh, Coach, I, I really appreciate that, and uh, I'll, I'll send you a check after, after <laughs> all that. <laughs> Mike, what were your first impressions of this young guy coming in to be your coach after you guys have just won the Super Bowl? That's got to be kind of an interesting dynamic, right? Well, you know what? I, I think um, <laughs> when, when I think of, of Coach McGinnis, it was, uh, it was a breath of fresh air to – find someone who would come in and, and basically say, um, how do I do this? And not come in and try to grab us by the, the collar and say, hey, this is the way we're going to do it. I know the way you've done it. We're not doing it that way. Uh, we're going to do it this way, and it's going to be my way. And I'm so thankful that um, Coach McGinnis had the wisdom to come in and approach us the way that he did. And um, it, it was really a um, just very welcome. And I, I, I just thought that it was uh, ingenious on his behalf to, uh, to really approach us that way. And, and uh, it ended up being a win-win situation. Mike, let's talk a little bit about that group. You know, you, we, people want to talk about – and people ask me a lot of times, Mike, how my 10 years at the Bears uh, was, what it was like, especially the early years. And you know how I describe it, Michael? I describe it as football Camelot. It was like a fairy tale. It really was. And all of the players on that team were bigger than life. And, you know, the first time when I came in there, the first game, we went to London, remember, with the Cowboys, and we're over there eating dinner at the House of Commons, and we're, you know, and I'm sitting around looking at, what is this? And you've got all, <laughs> you, you know, you remember all of it. And getting oh, off yeah. the airplane with you in the fridge and Walter Payton and Phil Collins is over there, and you've got all the, I mean, it's just, it was, it was an amazing, amazing time of life then. And the thing that I don't think people really understand is really the cast of characters that were on that team. The cast of characters that were extremely talented, but and especially in our linebacker room. We had we had some of the greatest disparity of personalities in that linebacker room. You know, <laughs> let, and I know you're laughing and you're gonna tell the and I want to hear it from your perspective, but all the way from Mike Singletary, who's the one of the most cerebral people I've ever been around and one of the most, you know, just this is business. This is straight and and look and, and on the field, uh, let me just say this. Mike Singletary is the kindest man ever. But on the field, he was vicious. He was vicious. But some of these dudes, I mean, let's just start with our group in there. How about how about the big O? How about Wilbur? <laughs> I mean, let's start with those. How about Big Al? You know, let's start with with, with Ron Rivera, Jim Morrissey. How how good was that room, Mike? Give me your perspective on it, because people would love to hear your take on that. It was a it was a tremendous room in terms of athletic ability. It was off the chart. You know, you look at um, Wilbur Marshall. You know, to start with him and and really talk about um, the kind of ability that he had. I mean, he could he could cover you know, some of the receivers in the league. Um, he had to, he had that kind of speed, and he was really, really nasty. And he was just naturally nasty. It, it, you know, he just come in <laughs> in a bad mood. And of course, uh, of course, uh, Otis. Here's Otis. That um, you know, if anything in your outfit 
it doesn't match. You know, something is off. You know, he you, you you're gonna have a comment from him. Hey man, why you why 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 you coming in here with that on? We, we don't wear stuff like that. We, you know, you get that from the you know. It's like wait a minute, man. Hold on, we haven't even started the morning yet. <laughs> and so um, you know, we we just had those two guys right there. That's enough for for any team. One of them is enough for any room. <laughs> but but we have both of those guys, and of course Al Harris came in, and he was Mister Salesman um, with uh, McDonald's and and reading the paper every morning. And of course, they got on him every day. And Jim Morrissey and uh, Smells—that's what they call him. Smells, Judge Smells. Tell him it came, yeah, it came yeah. from Caddyshack <laughs> because they, they, Hampton and McMichael always played golf with him, and he was—they called him Judge Smells because you know they were saying, "When are you going to? When are you going to? When are you going to pay up here, Smells?" <laughs> no, he was—it uh, was a piece of work. But uh, then you had Ron Rivera, the the uh, the guy that's always. Um, uh, trying to make sense of everything and, and uh, very cerebral in his own right. But um, just a really fun room. It could be a fun room, and then it depends. You know, some days it could be very volatile. Yes, it was. Uh, it, it just depends on on uh, what was happening with the overall team. But uh, I, I think uh, Coach McGinnis did a tremendous job in handling that room. And um, – Letting guys blow off steam that that needed to blow off steam, uh, letting guys know how far to go. Hey, hey, you know what? Now we, I, I understand that you're upset at that, but I've got my job to do. So let's uh, let's make sure that that we're we're men here and and we we know how to act and and let's do things in a business way. And so I, I thought Coach McGinnis did a tremendous job of really managing the room. And uh, being able to uh, really work his way through and uh, have everybody continue to be on the same page. With that whole cast of characters, you are also playing for the ultimate head coach in Mike Ditka. What was that experience like? A man who is larger than life and a character in his own right. Well, you know, the, the, the thing about Mike is you always knew what you were going to get. You, you always knew. And, and Mike was funny to me because he's really misunderstood because he was really trying his whole time there to relate to people. He was trying to be understanding. I, I, when I went into his office, I didn't knock on the door. I just went and walked in the office. And he was always uh, reading a book about how to talk so others listen and to talk so that that um, people understand you. And he, he had all kinds of books and tapes. And, and I'd walk in the office, and he'd knock them all on the floor and say, hey, what do you want? What do you need? And I said, well, what, what are you reading? No, don't worry about that. What, 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 what can I do for you? And uh, he never wanted me to know he was looking at that stuff. But he was really trying to do everything that he could to really be more human. And, and to really uh, kind of come off in a, in a more professional way, uh, in a way that um, guys could really get him. But, but it just didn't quite happen because he was so wired up and he was so fired up all the time. So it just made it very difficult. 
but uh, he was definitely a character. Yeah, and you know what though, Mike? I mean, it was it was really a perfect marriage, you know, between Coach Ditka and then that 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 group of players because you know they you can just go up and down the line, and I was always amazed at you the way that you could could control all of them and really uh, and you know and not not control in a bad way but could coalesce and bring everybody together i used to really laugh mike and i'm just telling you this now i probably haven't told you this before but the 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 amount of cursing that they would do of you when you were in the front of the stretch line and everybody you and walter and and double d were up front you know and everybody had a a, we all stretched old school style right and and the captains the guys up front always had to do one thing and you always always the first thing that you would say and fridge would 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 mimic it is everybody down everybody down <laughs> so you would make them do military push-ups up hold it that i've heard you call such bad names because i would walk <laughs> up and down the line and just listen to it and you know what you could care less you could have cared less but they did it they did it because of the immense amount of respect that they had for you and they knew that you were doing it not just to do it because you could but doing it because you knew that it would bring everybody together that that used to amaze me and that's a little insight that people never knew but i used to couldn't wait for stretch to to hear Big Fridge say, everybody down, because that's what you would say. That was so great. Well, it was um, it, it was interesting. I mean, I, I also knew that, uh, you know, Fred Cato would say, uh, and of course, you know, Clyde Emery, God bless him, he paid God, 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 God bless Clyde, uh, yes. But Clyde really loved the fact that we did push-ups because <laughs> it was so good for the shoulders. So, Clyde would say, you know, Mike, it's really good that you do the push-up, you know, and good for the shoulders, and uh, oh, well, I'm going to keep doing them, Clyde. And I know the guys hated them, but... Uh, oh, they did. They hated They yeah, hated you doing them. it was good them. for them. Oh, it was good for them. And how about, how about this when I first got there, Mike, and we walked out on the field in my first you know, practice there, and uh, there was chin-up bars, and I, everybody gra- grabbed it and did five chin-ups before they went out on the field, and I said, what are we yes. doing here? And and and, 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 and said, no, seriously, Mike, am I telling the truth? And and yes. and and the guys, it's what George Hallis did. It's what Mike Ditka did, and that's what we're the Bears. That's what we do. It was amazing. It was different. It was uh, definitely different, but uh, it was it was something you're exactly right. It was something that guys didn't like. Something that um, it was just a little bit different, but uh, somehow, some way, it continued to bring us together. There are certain eras, certain moments in a franchise's history where the amount of pride that people associated with that program at that time have is just astronomical. And the Chicago Bears, especially in that era, is just the stuff of legends. How proud are you, not only that you were a part of that, but you were a major player within the Chicago Bears that everybody knows and loves and really remembers as being the stuff of just legends. Well, it's, it, it, it is interesting because when we were there, uh, it wasn't, you don't really realize how different it is. We were different than any other team in the league. And we were that team that was kind of an in-your-face team that um, people really didn't like because we kind of did what we wanted. But at the same time, 
you know, we we have someone in Coach Ditka that didn't let us do what we wanted. And then, you know, sometimes we could be spoiled brats. And, and it looked like, what in the world are they doing in Chicago? Um, you know, you see us on the news. There's no telling where we might be. There's no telling who may be saying what. Oh, wow. uh, but somehow, some way, we came together on Sundays and we, we made things happen. You know, the thing, Mike, too, and, 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 and talk to us a little bit. I know the history of it. But when Mike Ditka was hired, I mean, that was a very volatile time there. I mean, I know that the, the immense love, and rightfully so, that all of the defensive players had for Buddy Ryan. And when Neil Armstrong was let go, I mean, there was a big push for Buddy to be the head coach. Talk to us about that time. And to me, it just shows the character of this football team that that they were able to coalesce and, and come, to, to come together with Mike Ditka. And tell us a little bit, and you've told me the story, about some of his first meetings with you guys when he came in before the Bears were the Super Bowl Shuffle Bears. Well, I remember when we knew Neil Armstrong was going to get fired. Neil was a really, really wonderful man, and, uh, but it just wasn't working um, with the Bears. And um, the leadership style just couldn't, didn't quite click or whatever. And um, so when, when Neil, we knew Neil was going to get fired, we, uh, Gary Fensick, myself, and Alan Page got together and said, um, I think we need to keep Buddy, Buddy Ryan. And of course, I couldn't believe I was saying it because at that time, I, I hated Buddy. I didn't like Buddy. <laughs> I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> really? But I knew they were right. I, I knew uh, that that Buddy was somebody that we needed to keep. But uh, that, that was a crazy time uh, within myself. But we decided to write a letter. And, um, of course, Gary Fensick and, and um, Alan Page uh, said, hey, we'll, we'll write the letter. And we'll send it to Mr. Hallis, and, and hopefully he listens to us. And, uh, of course, George Hallis came in and, and talked about what was going to happen. He was going to let Neil go and that he was going to honor our wishes to keep Buddy Ryan as the defensive coordinator. And that he had never heard of that before, uh, but he would honor that. And so when, when we knew that was going to happen and... They were looking for head coaching candidates, and we heard some of the names and some of the guys were, oh, man, this guy's good, or that guy, oh, man, yeah, we could get him. We could throw the ball. We could do this. And then all of a sudden, Coach Dick was named head coach of the Chicago Bears. I didn't know who he was, and I'm walking around in the locker room, and guys are like, who did they get? They hired Coach Dick. Oh, man, this guy is crazy. You know he's crazy, man. <laughs> Look at the way he chews gum on the sidelines. Something's wrong with him, brother. Why do we get him? We don't need him. And I thought to myself, that's exactly who we need. And so his first day there, uh, the man comes and literally he has orange hair and he's chewing gum like crazy. And he comes in the first day and half the guys don't want to be there. They're, they're like, oh, man, this guy, I'm telling you, the guy's crazy. So he looks at us and he says, guys, let me tell you something. I already looked at the film. Most of you guys are not going to be here very long. I'm just telling you right now. And he said, the door here is going to be a revolving door because I'm going to get my kind of players here. If you want to play here, you've got to make up your mind right now. And he says, 
in everything that I'm saying, I want you to know this. In three years, if you will do what I'm telling you to do, if you will follow me in three years, we'll go to the Super Bowl in three years. And so that was that was a promise that uh, he pretty much kept. And we, we were on a fast track, man. And, and guys were coming in and they were going as fast as you could turn your head. But it came to pass. And see, that's a great, insightful story, and you've told me that before. And I just, and just now knowing the 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 fiber and the fabric of the players that were there when I got there, after you guys had the the you know immediately after you had won the Super Bowl, I mean, and I could I sat and I thought this is very very unique. But people don't understand; they do now. You know, when they listen to this, we have about a million listeners, Mike. So you you're on a big time <laughs> podcast here. The thing about it is, is the fact that. That he had a he had a vision, but you and the leaders of that team were willing to accept the vision. And then let's not forget Bill Tobin and the type of drafts that he made to put together that group of players. Never has a group like that ever been assembled at one time, and never will be again. Because that was back before free agency, back before the salary cap. But you start looking at the number of Hall of Famers, you, Walter, Hamp, Covert. I mean, the, the number of Hall of Famers that came out of that era is just – and that's why you guys are still beloved. No, not even beloved. You guys are worshipped still in the city of Chicago and will be for the rest of your lives. And, and guess what? Rightfully so. And let me just say this. As a young coach going in there, I didn't know come from Sikkim, Mike. I didn't know anything. After one season with you guys, the first year that we were there, we went 14-2, and two, Right. And and, oh, yeah. and switched up a lot. Of, and all of a sudden, I'm lecturing on linebacker play all across the country like I'm some kind of linebacker guru. And so when I would get up to talk to people, they would say, well, you know, what's the key? What, what is the key to this? I said, well, here's the key to doing this. Go get Mike Singletary, get Wilbur Marshall, get Otis Wilson, put Hampton McMichael in the fridge down in front of them, and then you'll be a guru too, you know. <laughs> and so, but that, that's just, it was, it was a special, special time. Talk to us a little bit, Mike, if you will, because I know that you were very, very close to Walter. Talk a little bit about just what Walter Payton was and meant to you when you went there well the the thing with walter and myself we we were so different i remember when i first got there and you know walter was such a prankster and i had such respect for him and uh but walter would uh if you're sitting down and you're anywhere near walter payton the joke's always going to be on you <laughs> either you're going to walk through a door and a pail of water fall on you <laughs> Uh, you're gonna you're gonna be sitting down and you're gonna be talking and firecrackers go off. Uh, you're gonna be coming out of the shower and he's gonna hit you with a towel. I mean, all kind of stuff. And I, you know, so this is my 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 rookie year. I pull Walter aside and I said, Walter, I said, you know, I, I want you to understand something. I, I have all the respect in the world for you, but you don't want to do that with me. I, I I don't want you to ever do a prank with me because I I don't handle those very well. And I, I don't want so you and I going south. And I just told him that. He just he looked at me and, you know, I didn't know how he was going to take it. But he said, OK, Mikey, I got you. <laughs> and, and so he, he never did that to me. And it was um, it was always interesting. He was one of the hardest working guys I've ever been around. It was amazing the amount of work that he could do uh, when we ran our hardest. 
Walter would go out and, and, and finish running some more. When we were in the weight room and we lifted like crazy, Walter would always do more. And if he put a bear hug on you, I don't care who you were, you oh. could not get loose. Oh. <laughs> you could not. And, and as a matter of fact, he, he, he may crack a few bones while he's doing that. Oh, uh, and he could walk the whole field on his hands. What? So he was an extraordinary athlete, an extraordinary individual. And he and I uh, did not really talk a whole lot, but had some really, really life-changing conversations. But he was, he was a tremendous guy, a tremendous um, role model for uh, many athletes. He was the first guy that, that really was a businessman and began to set aside a plan to uh, have his own franchise. And, um, and, and, and really, somebody, I, I was doing something last night, Coach Mack, mm-hmm. and somebody was asking me about Walter and what do you, what do you think really uh, mattered to Walter? And I said, I can tell you what broke his heart was that when he finished playing, he thought he had a chance to get a franchise yes. in St. Louis. And they denied him. Uh, the owners did not vote for him. They voted for someone else as, as an owner. And um, uh, that, really, that really hurt Walter. That, that really hurt his feelings. And I, it was a while before he recovered from that. I'm very familiar with that because, of course, you know, his, his longtime coach and one of, the, one of the best men I've ever been around in my life, Johnny Rowland, was involved in that too, you know. And, and we were being kept abreast of that. And so you're right. But those are things that, you know, there, there were so many things that you guys did that that players uh, in the future have emulated and have tried to do and you guys were really you paved the way for a lot of things and 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 you really did and that's why you know you 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 are held, as of course you went on to a very successful career in coaching and 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 you got into coaching later you know not immediately after you got through playing because there were other things that you had to do your faith is very important to you 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 felt like that you had a calling you know for the ministry and for some things going on and you wanted to raise your children you know and and you for all the right reasons but when you went into coaching and you and you and you and you went into the to the to the ravens the first of all and 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 i've heard you know i've i've heard people that were on that staff say mike singletary when he came in there you know, for Ray Lewis meant the world of difference. Talk to me just a little bit about that time. Well, Ray was really interesting. I, I remember watching football before I started coaching uh, at the Ravens, and the one team that I didn't like was the Ravens. <laughs> and the one linebacker that I didn't like was Ray Lewis. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and, and the reason why, because he was always talking. I'm like, man, just be quiet. Just play the game. You don't have to talk that much. And um, so I had gotten to know uh, Steve Bashotti before he became the owner of the Ravens. And uh, he and I had, had gotten to be somewhat friends because he was in the business world. And, and I, I spoke with his, his company quite a bit. And um, to make a long story short, when my wife and I decided that, that we're going to coach. We end up going to Baltimore. And the first guy that I see is Ray Lewis. And I go, oh boy, here we go. Ray Lewis comes up to me and he says, coach, I want to tell you, the Lord answered my prayer. 
I wanted someone like you who could come in here and could teach me everything that I need to know about being a man, everything I need to know about being a husband and a father. And he said, I want everything you've got, everything, every day. I want everything you've got. And I'm telling you, Ray and I, first of all, I was shocked at his response. And after that, you know, we sat down and, and talked about some of the things that, you know, Ray was um, a heck of an athlete and tremendous leader. And it was just some of those little things that he needed. And I said, I, I just, I want to talk about, you already know how to be a great linebacker, but I, I want to talk about the detail of linebacking and, you know, shuffling and, and not crossing over and all of those things. And some of those things that I think can take your game to the next level. And he was so intent on doing everything that I said. One day I told him, I said, I want you to be, I want you on the balls of your feet. And he was trying to do what I was asking him to do. And I wasn't really paying attention. I thought he knew what I was saying, but he was on his toes. So his calves were cramping (laughs) and he was like, coach, my my calves are cramping. I'm not feeling right. I'm like, great. What's the problem? And he said, well, I'm I'm on the balls of my feet. I said, no, no, no. You're on your toes. Here's the balls of your feet. Let me show you what that is. So we kind of had to break it down that way. And we had a couple of deals while we were, while he was playing, you know, one game, he was just getting really frustrated and it was just a, a small adjustment that he needed to make. I told him, you know, he said, coach, they're coming out on me. They're firing out on me. I said, Ray, if they're coming out on you, that means that you got to absorb the blow a little bit. They're holding you. They're, then you got to hit and absorb and get off. He said, that, I, I, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know how you do that. I don't even know if you can do that, coach. What do you mean <laughs> absorb that? So he's getting fired up at me on the side. I said, because they're kicking your tail, you're going to give me an excuse to why you can't do what I'm asking you to do. I said, I tell you what, be at practice tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, all you linebackers, and I'm going to be there with my stuff on, and I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. And Ray was like, what? I said, I want you there tomorrow morning, all of you, at 6 o'clock. So your responsibility is bring all up there at 6 o'clock. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. So I was there at 6 o'clock. I had all my stuff on. <laughs> In my Bears uniform. That's so great. <laughs> and and I'm hitting the dummies, and I'm showing him how you hit. And sometimes when people are coming out and they're grabbing you, you, you don't want to give them all of what you have. You want to kind of bump and absorb and get off and keep going. And so I was trying to show him what that meant. And he mentioned that to me not long ago. We were together. He said, Coach, you remember that? You remember that you were telling me about the bump and absorb and get out. He said, Coach, I had no idea what you're talking about. But man, it changed my game. It changed my game. So it, it was little things like that. Uh, he was such a sponge. He was a tremendous listener. And um, that that's the thing that I remember most about Ray. And we would meet every Tuesday and read the Bible and just talk about life. And I just allowed him to ask whatever question that he had for me about being a man, being a father, being a husband. And uh, those were the things that um, we did every Tuesday. And when I left, uh, that was one of the hardest decisions that I had to make was to leave Baltimore, leaving him. 
Well, Mike, see that that th- those those types of insights are just invaluable, and 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 thank you so much for sharing that. One more thing, and people don't know this either. You and Bill Walsh were close. You've always been a man that has been very willing to seek out knowledge to make yourself better in all avenues. Talk to us a little bit about you and Bill Walsh. What he, when you wanted to start coaching, I know you called me, but you told me that you had spent a lot of time with with Bill Walsh. Talk to me about that some. Well, that was really interesting. Um, When Bill Walsh knew that I was going to be coaching, he, he called me. He said, Mike, are you going to be coaching? I said, yes, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And he said, I, I want you to come out here and see me. And uh, he said, uh, just come out here. Uh, I, I, I want you to, to come out here and have dinner with me. And I said, uh, okay, I, I, I will do that. So I flew out to San Francisco and I sat down with him and spent some time with him. And he said, Mike, I think it's great that you're going to be coaching. And he said, I, I, I just I want to share some things with you that I think are very important. So I'll be calling you from time to time. And whenever I call you, come. And he would be in a certain part of the country and he would call me out of the blue. Hey, Mike, I'm going to be here tomorrow. Can you come? Can you come have lunch with me? Can you come have dinner with me? Yes, sir. And I would go and I would sit with him and he would he would just talk to me about how he got into coaching, how he started and how things that I need to watch for, things that I, I need to make sure that I do, things that I, it was really, really interesting to me i was very honored that um he thought enough of me to do that but there were there were about five or six times that that i went and i i met with him and sat down and and talked with him and um that really really meant a lot to me and i just i don't know to this day why he did it it was uh it was a tremendous honor for me to join him any opportunity i had to do that well, Michael, this has been an honor for us. I mean, we could go on and on, but, you know, I promised you I wouldn't keep you forever. There's so many stories that we have that we could tell. We could fill up a whole year's worth of podcast with the great Mike Singletary. But I can't tell you enough. Of course, you know how much I love you, and I really, really appreciate this. This is going to be so insightful for people. Tell us just a little bit, Mike, real quick here. I won't keep you longer. What are you, what are you doing now? What's your focus now? Because you've always got a mission. You've always got a focus. Tell, talk to me a little bit about that. Right now, you know, I thought I'd be coaching this year, but it, it really didn't work out that way. Um, and I ended up starting a 501c3 after the whole Floyd incident, you know, I began to look at our country and look at where we are and, and look at how I could make a difference. And uh, somehow, some way, when you begin to look at life and you look at football and then you look at America, you know, America is very important to me. I love our country, but at the same time, you know, our country is changing and, um, you know, we're going through a change right now that uh, I don't think a lot of people truly understand what, how close we were to a, just a, uh, a whole revolution during the George Floyd situation. And I, I saw something for the first time that I had not seen before. I saw, I saw black, I saw white, you know, kind of going at it. And I saw the country as a whole going at it. But I saw another party. I saw a third party going at it that really cared nothing about black, white, yellow, green. They didn't care anything about that. They cared. They wanted the country. And they were going for the very heart and soul of our country. And and so I, I think that for me, I, I wanted to begin to look at how do I how do I help bridge this gap? 
in our country. And um, I, I put together a 501c3 called uh, Changing Our Perspective and, and people being able to stop looking at each other as the problem and begin to look up and see that there are opportunities out there. There, there are things that we can do to make a difference. Um, and the change that I need to see in the world doesn't need to start with the other guy. It needs to start with me. And then I built an app called Raise Up. And that's just basically kind of looking at our country and, and looking at where we need to raise up. And the thing that uh, inside of that app is education and health and mental wellness. Those are the two things that I really believe that can bridge the gap in our country between have and have nots and, and begin some synergy there and create a redemption program for the have nots to not get stuff from the haves, but to for the haves to put things in a place so that the have nots can earn them and begin to gain pride and, and, and uh, a sense of belonging in our country for the first time ever and begin to build something for their own families and, and the next generation. Well, wow. Mike, you are, you're, you're, the, you're the absolute best. And uh, please, speaking of family, give my best to your wife, Kim. I know that she is the, the straw that stirs the drink with that with the Singletary family tell her coach Max said hello I, I always enjoyed you know being around her but and as I say you know how much I love you I truly appreciate you doing this for us and as I know Amy I told Amy Wells I said we're going to get Mike Singletary on because he's going to have meaningful things to say it will be entertaining but it will also be educational and meaningful and absolutely you did exactly what I knew you would Love you, Mike. Thank you so much. I love you, Coach. Thank you. A big, big thank you to Mike Singletary for taking the time to talk with us, share some of his stories and memories. It's always a great day when you can talk to an NFL legend and a Hall of Famer. I still can't get over it. I had an absolute blast. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Someone else who is legendary is the people at Farm Bureau Health Plans. Don't get sacked by the high cost of health care. Make Farm Bureau Health Plans your first line of protection. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Now, amidst all the turkey and pumpkin pie and, you know, general holiday cheer, let's not forget that the Titans have a game on Sunday. They take on the New England Patriots in Foxborough. Titans radio will be on the air at 11 a.m., Myself, Coach Mack, Rhett Bryan, we'll have the pregame show for you. And then at noon Central Time, Coach Mack and Mike Keith will take over and get you through the ball game. Don't forget, I know you've got a lot going on this weekend, but there's still football happening on Sunday, and it's important. So for Amy Wells, Coach Mack, and Mike Singletary, thank you, thank you for listening. And we hope you're having a great Thanksgiving week and weekend. And we look forward to seeing you on the next edition of the Titans Amy and Coach Mac Podcast.